0: We had a great time this afternoon and I'm just convinced it's the cookies that draw the folks. We had 30 this afternoon and they just come out of the woodworks when we put cookies out and so it was a great time. We are tonight introducing a new series and the series is Genesis and uh, I have been putting this off for some time because I knew it would demand quite a bit of research and study and so I have been doing that over the last couple of months and so I'm looking forward to sharing with you what I've learned. Good evening. So you can go ahead and open your Bible to Genesis 1-1 if you like, but we're barely going to touch the surface because I'm going to give you, if you're taking notes, number one, an overview of the book of Genesis. That's what we're going to do tonight, is give you an overview of the book. And so we're going to pray and then get into this overview of the most remarkable book, the book of Genesis. Dear Lord... Thank you. Thank you for giving us this opportunity once again to meet together in the middle of the week, to be recharged both by fellowship and by looking into your word. Holy Spirit of God, would you meet with us again tonight. And Lord, this book of Genesis is a remarkable book. And it's a book, Lord, that the devil has tried his best to undermine, to confuse, to destroy. And so I would ask that you would give us an um, unusual amount of clarity tonight. And Lord, help us to have your will and your insights. And we'll thank you for what you're going to do. For we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, letter A, Moses was its author. Interesting, for many, many years, the author of Genesis was debated but pretty much theologians who want these to protect your ears the Author, and i'm not totally sure why the disagreement for ezra 3 2 says then stood up jeshua the son of jazadak and his brother and the priests and zerubbabel the son of shealtiel and his brethren and builded the altar of the god of israel to offer burnt offerings thereon as it is written in the law of moses the man of god the jewish mind understood the first five books of the bible were the torah and the first one being Genesis, and they accredited the Torah to, to Moses. Deuteronomy 31.9 says, And Moses wrote this law, and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. In the New Testament, in John 1.45, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write." Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. So Moses is undeniably the author of the book. Number 1, the meaning of Genesis. The meaning of Genesis. The Hebrew title is Bereshith. That means in the beginning. The Greek version of that is the word Genesis, meaning generations or origins. And then in the book of Genesis we find many, many firsts. I've got a list of them there. The first blank is creation, of course, is found first in the book of Genesis. Man and woman are found in the book of Genesis. Sin is first introduced in the book of Genesis. The the Sabbath and honoring it and keeping it holy. Marriage is found in Genesis. The family is introduced in Genesis. Labor and civilization, as well as culture, Murder and sacrifice, and races, human races, languages, and redemption, and then cities are first introduced in this book called Genesis. Number three, important personalities in Genesis. Slow down. <laughs> Seriously? Genesis, number three, <laughs> Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Pharaoh, and the sons of Jacob. These are important personalities in the book of Genesis. By the way, it'll get easier here shortly. Get a lot of your writing done right at the beginning. Significant developments in Genesis. Genesis. The point here is to show you that Genesis is the foundational book for the entire Bible. It is the foundation upon which the superstructure of God's Word is firmly planted. You mess with the foundation, you mess with the entire work. Significant developments, first of all, the use of the altar. Jealousy in the home. The prominence of Egypt is found in Genesis. Judgments upon sin. And then number five, major covenants are revealed, introduced in Genesis. The Edenic covenant. By the way, I asked this afternoon, but what is the basic understanding of a covenant? What's that mean? What's a simplified definition of covenant? I'm sorry? I can't hear. You. Promise, yes. Yes. A promise. An agreement, a promise between two. The Edenic the f- the first blank is Adamic or Adams. The third is Noahic or Noah's. And the last is Abrahamic or that with Abraham. So God made covenants with these people, promises in these uh, different things that was revealed in the book of Genesis. We get to number two, in the beginning, and I told the class this afternoon, if Nathan were here, he would know how to say this. I'm saying it's Barashith, but how do I do? You have to see it? Okay, take a look. See? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm saying bearisheth in the beginning. In the beginning. The first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, when I was probably three is the first time I remember being taught this verse. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And you know, in my simplistic mind, I simply believed it. My parents and my preacher and my Sunday school teacher and my vacation Bible school teacher all taught me that the, the worlds were created in six days. God created the world in six days. And then on the seventh, he rested. And you know what? I believed it. I believed it. And most adults in my generation believe that as well. Most. But I have been amazed by the number of people today that don't no, long, that no longer believe that. And by the way, I mean good people, Bible believing people that no longer believe it as though I do. and we're going to get down that a little bit tonight. But letter A in the beginning suggests at the commencement of time. The commencement of time. And letter B, without indicating when the beginning was, the expression infers that the beginning was. <laughs> there was a beginning. And letter C, Exodus 20:11 says seems to imply that this was the initiation of the first day's work. Exodus 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Again, I told them this afternoon that I was so blessed by, Nathan, in your message, you don't under, you don't know this, but you taught a good deal of tonight's lesson because you referred to creation and you referred to a literal six-day creation. I so appreciate what you said because you You unashamedly said that you, with your intellect, still believes in the simplicity of a literal six-day creation. Because I knew what I'd be teaching here tonight, and I knew that I would be saying the same thing, but I didn't have anywhere near the foundation of intellect that you did, so now I can say, but Nathan said it, so it's got to be right. So I appreciated that so much, what you said. Letter D references to the beginning Here's three references in Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth interestingly John 1 1 and 2 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God do you remember me teaching you about the word Jesus is the word and we said the word is a what you remember it is a something of truth. The word is a of truth. Do you remember? Yes. Thank you. A word is an expression of truth. So I have this thought, and what do I do to express that thought? I use a word. Jesus is the word or the full expression of his Father. And so he was called the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Of course, we know it's Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 1.10, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. Number three. In the beginning, God. Now, the word God is the Hebrew word Elohim. Elohim. Letter A. This is the creator as the first cause. I want to read you a most amazing paragraph that I found in Adam Clark's commentary. commentary. So after you write the words first clause, look up this way first clause. I'm a cause. First cause. I want to read it to you because I want want your thinking cap on. I want you to think. Did even teachers tell you to put your thinking cap on? Mine did yeah a general definition of this great first cause as far as human words dare attempt one may be thus given the eternal independent and self-existent being the being whose purposes and actions spring from himself without foreign motive or influence he who is absolute in dominion the most pure the most simple and most spiritual of all essences "...infinitely benevolent, benefit, beneficent, uh, beneficent, true and holy, the cause of all being, the upholder of all things, infinitely happy, because infinitely perfect, and eternally self-sufficient, needing nothing that he has made, illimitable in his immensity, inconceivable in his mode of existence, and indescribable in his essence." known fully only to himself, because an infinite mind can be fully apprehended only by itself. In a word, a being who, from his infinite wisdom, cannot err or be deceived, and who, from his infinite goodness, can do nothing but what is eternally just, right, and kind. If you had that in front of you to read through it, you'd be very blessed by it. God is infinitely happy. And he doesn't need anything. Now to some of you, you're thinking, ah, bummer, I thought he needed me. Here's the cool thing about it. God, who is sovereign, who is infinitely complete in of himself, needing nothing, chose to want you. Consider that. He didn't need you. He chose to want you. And he loves you incredibly. The meaning of Elohim. The original word Elohim, God, is certainly the plural form of El, and has long been supposed by the most eminently learned and pious men to imply a plurality of persons in the divine nature. As this plurality appears in so many parts of the sacred writings to be confined to three persons, hence the doctrine of the Trinity which has formed a part of the creed of all those who have been deemed sound in the faith from the earliest ages of Christianity. Nor are the Christians singular in receiving this doctrine and in deriving it from the first words of divine revelation. An eminent Jewish rabbi, Simeon Ben Joachim, in his comment on the sixth section of Leviticus, has these remarkable words. Listen to what he says. Come and see the mystery of the word Elohim. There are three degrees. And each degree by itself alone and yet notwithstanding they are all one and joined together in one and are not divided from each other he must be strangely prejudiced indeed who cannot see that the doctrine of a trinity and of a trinity in unity is expressed in the above words the verb bara it's b a r a and we're going to get to that shortly meaning he created Being joined in the singular number with the plural noun has been considered as pointing out, and not obscurely, the unity of the divine persons in this work of creation. In the ever-blessed trinity, from the infinite and indivisible unity of the persons, there can be but one will, one purpose, and one infinite and uncontrollable energy. In other words, there's one God. Three persons in that one God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Collectively, they played their roles in creation. And that's just incredibly, incredible. And we can find them all wrapped up in this incredibly strong word called Elohim. Number four. God created. In the beginning, God created. And we see that letter A is bara. There's your Hebrew word. Number one is definition of bara. I want to define it for you. What does this word "created" literally mean? The verb translated "created" literally means to cleave or to split, as a carpenter employs his trade. Yet in this particular form, and it's never used of man. Only God can create. Creation is what God can do that is impossible for man. Man, created in God's image may, many years later, perform similar acts. If scientists one day produce life from inorganic compounds, they will not have proved there is no God, but rather, they will affirm what Genesis has claimed all the time, that man is made in the image of God, bara. Number two, bara is creation out of nothing. Bara always refers to the product created does not, does not refer to the material of which is made. For these reasons, commentators have traditionally interpreted the verb as a technical term for creatio ex nihilo, meaning creation out of nothing. And by the way, that's one of the things that sets our God apart from every other God. God created out of nothing. My wife is an amazing cook, as many of you know. But my wife does not create things out of nothing. She goes to the pantry and she pulls out this flour and the sugar and whatever, whatever other ingredients. Put some eggs in it, some milk. And so she creates the most amazing desserts. Mind-blowing. It's incredible. But not like God. God didn't go to the pantry. God simply said, let it be so. And it was made. Bara number three, suggests order and function. The verb bara also conveys the idea of ordering or determining function, suggesting God's creative activity consists of bringing proper order and function to the cosmos. I want to read for you three references, letter B, references of God creating. First of all, in Psalm 102, verse 25 and following, Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, And the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. John 1, 1 and following. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Now, from now till we close, we're going to look at letter C, some theories of creation. I gave you a theory of creation. What was that theory? It's what I was taught in Sunday school when I was growing up. And that is that God spoke the worlds into existence in six literal days, and then he rested. Now, they didn't tell me this, but what I know now is God didn't have to drag it out over six days he could have done all at once if he wanted to all done because God is infinitely powerful infinitely wise and infinitely infinitely smart but for our benefit and to break it down in chunks so our mortal minds could try to get around what God did he broke it down into six orderly days by the way not only could God have done it in one day but after six days of this amazing work of creation (laughs) he wasn't tired he didn't need to rest but he knew we would. So he set aside the seventh day as a day of rest, so we would follow his incredible example. We've got a great God. Theories of creation. You say, well, don't, doesn't everyone believe six literal 24-hour days? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, please. I don't want to know right now if you believe something differently. And honestly, I'd be surprised if somebody doesn't believe it a little bit differently not before my research, but after my research, I am blown away at how many uh, reputable men of God believe things differently than what I'm gonna share with you. Um, Instead of believing in a literal six-day creation, they believe some of the theories we're gonna talk about here. Some of the commentaries I use on a regular basis, the commentary writers believe in some of these theories. Which really surprised me. I read a book. I'll tell you about it later. We'll get to it. Uh, theories of creation. Number one is problems leading to a ver- to various theories of creation. Why is it that there are other theories when it seems so simple in Genesis? In the beginning, this is what happened. Why are there other theories? Well, because there are some problems we got to think about. Because man is too smart for his own britches. Man somehow thinks he can outsmart God. And man is always looking for loopholes in in what God says. Uh, Just to lay a foundation here, letter A, the size of our universe. The size of our universe. Somebody really smart, tell me, what is the speed of light? Uh, According to the Internet, there's 186,000 miles per second that sound right? 186,000 miles per second. Now, when I would come out here from from our home in Illinois, we came about 1,000 miles. And it took us forever. It was a grueling trip. I can't uh, imagine. Nathan, from here to where you are in the mission field, any idea how many miles that would be? 5,000, okay okay, let's say six, just to kick, uh, say six, uh, round it off, okay, 6,000 miles, okay, if I took a flashlight, and if the earth were flat, which a lot of folks still believe it is, and I shine that flashlight, and that light were strong enough to go all the way 6,000 miles, it would happen so quickly, by the time I go like this, you would see it, 6,000 miles away, why, because light travels at 186,000 miles per second, that's faster than Jim drives. Sure. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, a light year. A light year is how far light travels in a year. I know profound. A light can travel, according to the wisdom of the Internet, six trillion miles in a year. Okay. Try to keep... This in your head, because it's going to get a headache shortly. While the spatial size of the entire universe is unknown, it is possible to measure the size of the observable observable universe, which is approximately 93 billion light years in diameter at the present day. A light year is 6 trillion miles. One year. They're saying that our observable universe is approximately 93 billion light years. Now it's, that's, that's lost me. That, that, that's lost me. you know I can't calculate like that. I mean that's, that's way, way too big. How big is the Milky Way? Anybody want to guess? How many light years? How big is the Milky Way? How many light years? across <laughs> <About> like that. <laughs> let's say a hundred thousand light years a hundred thousand light years from one point to another how far can we see with a clear night sky and no obstructions the naked eye can see the the triangulum galaxy around three million light years from earth this galaxy is sometimes considered the farthest object people on earth can see I'm not hearing heard of the Triangulum Galaxy? They're probably just making it up. Three million light years, naked eye, that you can see. Or at least you can see it in the naked eye. Yeah, it does say naked eye. Now, why did I tell you all that? Okay. Understand, in your mind, universe is really big. It's really big. How can one explain the ability to see? the light from a star whose light left it so long ago, the star had long burned out. You see, it takes a little over four years for the light of the closest star besides our sun, Proxima Centauri to reach us. four years for the closest star apart from the sun. Four years. So the, the light the star kicks out light and starts traveling. It takes four years for that light to reach us. That's the closest star. Um, we can see the Triangulum Galaxy around three million light years from Earth. Okay, here's what it leads to. The galaxy sent off its light. It took three million. Light years to get here. It took three million years traveling speed of light to get here. You see any problem with that? Three million years to get here. Um, I'm guessing, we're guessing that the Earth. Was created approximately six to eight thousand years ago. It's when God spoke the world in exi- into existence. So how could we be receiving light from a star that would take millions of years? Now don't answer that yet. I simply want you thinking. There are visible starlight concerns. Letter B. Here's another fun one to think about. Uh, letter C. Earth's geological formations now I asked this afternoon and nobody knew up in northwestern uh, Wyoming is a place called specimen Ridge anybody heard of it specimen it's in Yellowstone Anybody heard of it I'd never heard of it um, letter A and that's number one letter A is it gives the appearance of millions of years the appearance of millions of years Located in the far northwestern corner of Wyoming in Yellowstone National Park is a visible geological site called Specimen Ridge, displaying the appearance of millions of years of seismic activity. There are about 50 layers that alternate between forest material and volcanic ash. So just in your mind, as you drive by, you can see, as it's been cut away, you can see 50 layers. You can count them, 50 layers. Layers between volcanic ash and forest material. Traditional geology explains it this way. Yellowstone was a volcanic area millions of years ago. A lush forest grew there, but suddenly a volcano erupted. When that happened, the forest was destroyed and was covered in volcanic ash. Okay, Forest, destroyed, because the volcano, the ash comes down and covers everything up. Um, Over time, a new forest grew. Years passed, another volcanic eruption destroyed and covered the new forest. The forest grew again and later another until 50 times. This traditional um, uh, view tells us that several million years ago, this section of Yellowstone appeari- experienced many, many such volcanic eruptions. Layer after layer of forest material and volcanic ash were formed. Today, millions of years later, tourists can visit this area to see the evidence for themselves. Evidence of a long earth millions of years so now we got just two two things to think about and there are many more but two things to think got first of all the light from the stars that we're seeing started traveling millions of years ago and we're just now seeing them specimen rich layer upon layer of evidence of seismic activity that would blow up and then several years later blow up again several years later blow up again Year after year after year, and then enough time for the forest to grow up. So we're not talking about just a year, several years, many years would transpire. Letter B. Here is a young earth explanation. The flood waters, remember the flood? Old Noah, the flood? The flood waters rose and brought in vast amounts of forest material from surrounding areas. The great flood was so catastrophic that it uprooted trees, entire forests in fact, and transported them for miles. The waters then suddenly calmed over the area of Specimen Ridge and the forest material settled out. Then the water gently receded so as to not wash away the newly deposited forest material. Once the water receded, a volcano erupted and blanketed everything in ash. Then the volcano stopped and the tumultuous waters rose again. This brought in a new load of forest material ripped from another location miles away. I was okay with that. But how do you explain 50 times? I can understand. That makes sense. Noah's flood, that makes sense. I can understand how that would explain a solid layer or two, but 50? I struggled with that. Let's go on. Number two day age theory. Day age. Now, I'm not going to give you a whole lot on this. There are volumes out there, so much. I was just amazed how much material there are on these various theories. Day-age theory. Day-agers contend that the six days of creation cannot be literal 24-hour days. They insist that day is equivalent to age, six ages. They say that Genesis 1 is God's way of symbolically describing what He did during the Billions of years between the Big Bang and the creation of man. Big Bang. Man. Billions of years. Day-agers are quick to defend their belief by telling us that Yom, Hebrew for day, can mean a long period of time. This is possible, although that's not the usual meaning. Because of this possibility, they feel they are justified in believing the days are long ages. It's sometimes claimed that the church fathers believed in long ages for days in Genesis 1. Easy to fall into trap, but that's only a half truth. The only ones I could find were two of the early fathers, Origen and Clement of Alexandria, neither one of which are ones that I go to to support the beliefs are today. Uh, They were allegorizers who devised unusual interpretations for every part of scripture in other words they believed it was all allegory they were symbolic their system of allegorizing led to the most unbelievable interpretations which were bounded only by the limits of their fertile imaginations others uh, commentators on Genesis 1 include the epistle of Barnabas Irenaeus and Justin Martyr their remarks have frequently been misunderstood to mean that they also believed in this day-age theory, but it's not true. What they were doing was developing an eschatological framework which included a literal 1,000-year reign of Christ on earth, or the millennium. Their logic followed these lines, which I found really interesting. I just three points. First of all, God worked for six days and rested on the seventh number two one day with the Lord is as a thousand years second Peter number three listen to this one the six days of creation and one day of rest therefore typify the 6,000 years of human history that will be concluded by the 1,000 year millennium 6,000 years human history followed by another thousand year millennium um, creation took place they're saying these early church fathers on 4000 BC at 4000 BC therefore the Millennium should begin AD 2000 terminate a thousand years later AD 3000 and usher in the timeless period of eternity Now, understand we're talking about the church fathers centuries ago They're the ones that took and looked into this. Now, we know that Y2K came and went. We are long past Y2K, but we're still in the 2000s, aren't we? Interesting, just interesting. Whether or not we agree with their reasoning and the resulting prophetic framework, we conclude that these early church fathers were not denying the literal six-day creation, but were actually affirming their faith in it. Number three, I think we've got to close with this one after a possible solution. The gap theory. The gap theory. Now, though I was introduced to this in college, I never did any research in the gap theory until the study for this. I read a whole silly book on the gap theory. And by the time I was done, I was questioning myself. There is a tremendous amount of evidence to support some of these theories, especially this one. I, I'm not going to do it. If I, if I gave you the book, and you took the book and walked away with it, your, your head would spin. You say, well, what's the gap theory? Well, the gap theory attempts to prove that between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, so between the first two verses of the Bible, there is a time gap that can explain the apparent age of the planet and universe. How can, how can we be seeing light that started millions of years ago. Makes no sense. How can there be a specimen ridge showing that there's millions of years of deposits here? How how can that be? What the gap theory tries to do is bridge the gap between so-called science and God's word. God supposedly created the earth and stars many millions of years ago prior to the six literal days of creation described in uh, verse 2 and following. The creative acts on days 1 through 6 were restorative acts to correct the damage done by the original creation. In other words, God created the heavens and the earth. But he kind of blew it. Now, they don't say that, but he kind of blew it. There may have been a civilization during that time. There may have been a civilization that really got out of whack. In any case, the earth as we know it came to be during those millions and millions of years. Things solidified, mountains were made, uh, these geographical, uh, uh, geological formations were made, light was traveling, all these things happened during those millions and millions of years. And then God shows up and in six literal 24-hour days cleaned it all up that's basically the gap theory the basis for the gap theory is to show how the evidences of an old earth can be explained there is a fourth possibility and that's number four a possible solution so how can we explain this how can we explain being able to see light that started traveling millions of years ago how can we explain what looks like evidence of Millions of years of geology. Now, we're not, we're not talking about evolution. We're not even mentioning that. That's a whole other topic. We're saying things that just the logical mind look at and um, at first cannot rationalize. So how can we justify that? Well, how about this? Possible solution, letter A, God is all-powerful and sovereign. God is all-powerful and sovereign. I'm going to read you some verses here, but let me ask you this. A year after God created Adam. How old was he? (laughs) A year after Adam was created. At one year old, he shaved, if he shaved. He could shave, got a great beard, at one. How old is Bennett? He's three. He's not shaving yet, is he? <laughs> and we were talking about a full-grown man. When God spoke, boom, Adam, there he is. He didn't come out a baby. He's full-grown. What's that? Yeah. A full year later, he's one year old. At one, he is full. When he's first created, he is complete. So why couldn't God make a universe complete? We talk about this today, but do you know why God was so elaborate in his universe? It was for man. Why did God make such expansive universe? I mean, 93 million light years—that's just what man knows about. It's, man. Now, now I, I saw the most amazing documentary one time, and it had to do with uh, with with uh, the planets, the stars, and it started off by the showing the size of the Earth and how big the Earth is. That Earth seems so big, doesn't it? I mean, wow, s- five to six thousand miles away to get—that's Until you compare the earth with the sun. And the earth compared to the sun is ridiculous. I mean, the earth is just a little tiny, tiny thing here, completely massive sun. And the sun, compared to many stars out there, is so small in comparison you can't even see it. Huge. Massive. So you take, and I don't know how many stars there are. God does. He named them all. God knows how many stars there are, all these stars that are so big, um, next to them you can't even see the earth is so small in comparison. And God put man on this tiny, tiny little planet, and it's the only planet that is sufficient for human life. Out of all the billions and billions of places out there, stars and planets, there's only one where life for humans can be sustained. And that's where all of God's attention is, in that one little microscopic planet where everything revolves around in the Bible. That's one of the main reasons I don't believe in life on the planet, because God's focus was on man. Jesus Christ, God's own son, came to die, not for aliens, for man. So what we have in the book of Genesis here, and we're just doing nothing but laying a foundation for this amazing book, but God is all-powerful and sovereign, and when He spoke the worlds into existence, He spoke completed worlds. He spoke a completed man. He spoke, he spoke a completed firmament where the stars were already shining their light rays upon the earth, and the earth was being blessed by it. When He spoke it, old specimen ridge guess who made that god did. god did i don't have to go to the flood though i can go to the flood for most things and describe them i don't have to go to the flood i can say look what god did incredible in hebrews 1 3 who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high colossians 1:17. and he is before all things and by him all things consist jeremiah 32:27. behold i am the lord the god of all flesh is there anything too hard for me psalm 66 5 and following come and see the works of god he's terrible in his doing toward the children of men he turned the sea into dry land they went through the flood on the foot there did we rejoice in Him. He ruleth by His power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. And Matthew nineteen twenty six. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Planets B. Stars, go. Remember how small earth is? Nothing. Stars, no big deal for God. No big deal. If that's true, then why do we worry about money? Why do we worry about health needs? Why do we worry? Because we know the God who Spoke the world's in resistance, and he held back for six days for our benefit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. we got to quit. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your love and your goodness and your blessing, and thank you for this time. Lord, it's so encouraging considering the truths found in your book and the foundational book being Genesis. Lord, as we walk through this book, would you guide us? Would you be our instructor? Lord, I pray that you might work in our hearts along the way, increasing our faith in you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.